Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Tammy Gardner of Jackson Lewis, who visits PD Insider to review successful strategies for designing and implementing effective training programs. Tammy walks through the theory and practice behind creating level-based curriculum, meaningful for attorneys at all stages of their careers. Welcome. We're pleased to have you. Thank you. So, Tammy, you you established JL Academy to develop competency and level-based programs for the firm. The antithesis would be what PDs refer to as random acts of training, which are typically something to avoid. How can PDs avoid them, and why does it make a difference? So the best way to avoid random acts of training, which unfortunately is often the approach of um, folks who who don't take the time to actually create a level-based, competency-based training system. And that's essentially what I think um, is essential to avoiding random acts of training. It's really creating a, a, um, a roadmap, if you will, of um, the specific skills and expectations that you have uh, as a firm for the attorney and, um, and identifying what those skills are at each stage of their career. And that way, you can tie everything to that competency-based model. You can tie your training to it, but also your performance evaluations. And by doing that, you're also um, really creating some transparency, some understanding about what it takes to be successful at each stage of your career. And you're inviting people to attend programs that actually will support them in achieving those goals. And then with the performance review system also tied into it, you can measure their success and, and see how they're coming along in their progression in achieving those goals. Well, clearly, there are many benefits to structuring a program. Uh, practically speaking, how should PD teams get started in building the program with, comp- with a competency-based model that includes learning trajectory? So the best way to start is by asking a lot of questions. And it's really having what I like to fer- refer to as success interviews. It's talking with leadership, but also talking with other high potential attorneys, other people within the firm that um, are, are measuring one's success, but have also been successful themselves. And asking those questions, what did it take to be successful? What is it that you need to to develop or to to do what you do at that level and um, really pull from that all the skills and the behaviors and the the ways in which you need to um, really excel in in that in that role and at that level and at that stage so it's a lot of learning and development on your part as the pd professional understanding um, you know what the skills are that the firm values uh what it's what's needed to do that job uh and it, of course it depends on the firm right and and it depends on what practice areas you have and the, the ways in which you want to develop the attorneys uh to to meet each stage of their career set so for example um through that process you're going to find out that a, a new lawyer needs to really just learn how to practice law. Uh, but what does that look like? And what does that look like for a new litigator versus a new business attorney or somebody that's working in a transactional practice? Um, as you progress, though, as a, as a mid-level, uh, you're going to have different expectations. At that point, you tend to have um, more responsibility and you might be managing 
um, others and, and in a position where you need to learn how to delegate. So you're, you're learning uh, from talking with all the different people within your firm what those different skills are and what those expectations are as somebody progresses throughout the firm. And, and it's not just the conversations, you're also looking at um, other documents that, that may have been produced. What, what is it that the firm has identified um, you know, in terms of its reputation and, and where is it headed? I think that's the other critical piece that um, is often forgotten when developing a comp competency model because it is something that should evolve. And we need to be thinking not just what has it taken in the past to be successful, but what will it take going forward and in the future? Because skills, of course, evolve or should uh, as our as our industry changes and as our profession evolves as well. So that's really interesting and there's, there's really quite a lot there. I mean, so it starts really looking at the specific needs to train for skills for an attorney at a specific point in time in their career. Correct. But beyond that, it's really about trying to tie in to the strategic initiatives of the law firm, understanding where they are today and where they want to be tomorrow. And then even broader than that, beyond the law firm itself, where is the industry going? You know, what does the legal practice of the future look like and how do we prepare ourselves and our lawyers to get there? Exactly. So how do you take all this information and use that to inform a training plan? Right. So, um, so you really start simply. You, you take all of that information and you lay it out so that you really have a framework. And I like to refer to them as attorney development frameworks. Um, they're just expectations. Uh, we can call it a roadmap. Um, it's a competency model, but um, sometimes that language isn't always accessible for folks. So. Anyway, you create what I refer to as a framework and you're identifying all those skills, uh, whatever those benchmarks are, and you're aligning it with what level and what stage of the person's career should they um, be learning these different uh, skills. And, and at that point, you then are essentially plugging in what training and what programming um, you may already have uh, and when I started at, at the firm I'm at now, um, we had a lot of training. That wasn't the issue. It was how does it fit within the goal of the firm and our strategy for learning and development? And so having this model and those frameworks enabled us to plug in the, those training programs that fit within those categories. But then also you identify gaps in the, in the structure that exists because you don't, um, you don't necessarily have the deposition skill training that um, you've identified as something that's necessary for a mid-level litigator. So, um, so once you've kind of put your frameworks out there, you plug in your training, uh, you, you then see what gaps need to be filled and then you can develop your programming from there. But then after that, you've got to continually look at that structure and the programming, refresh it and make sure that it continues to meet the, um, the goals of the firm and that it is in fact um, still relevant and, and appropriate for, for those different levels and, and for the work of, of your firm. So we talked about the structure of the competency-based model. Uh, is there anything else in addition to the skills and behaviors uh, that you include in the, uh, in, in the developmental framework? Yes, so in addition to outlining the skills and the behaviors and at what level uh, we're expecting the attorney to develop those uh, criteria for success, 
We also want to provide guidance around the priority and the time that they should be spending developing on certain areas over others. So for example, a new associate has to focus on practicing law. They have, they have to learn what it means to be a lawyer and to um, practice in a law firm, and they need to be developing their, their basic foundational skill set. They do not need to be focused on business development at that stage. Uh, there are still some skills that they should be developing that will help them in their client service and business development over time. And we definitely train on that. But the focus and the time needs to be really spent on learning how to practice law. However, if you're a senior associate becoming a, a principal or a partner at, at a firm, that's where it shifts. There, uh, there's much more of an expectation that you already know what you're doing and you, you are honing your, your legal expertise and you're certainly meeting your CLE ex expectations. But you really at that point need to be focused very much on your business development skill set as well as um, leadership development and manager skills. So, um, so those are the kinds of skills that we also want to identify for people based on kind of the the priority for them, again, at their level, uh, in addition to, to what the skill is itself. So that really is a lot, a lot of work, a lot of effort for the PD team. You develop the framework that includes competencies, skills, benchmarks. Uh, then you need to align it to appropriate training courses. You undertake a gap analysis to see what you have currently. Uh, does it fit the model? Does it fit the plan? Uh, then you think about how to you know, fill those gaps. Uh, with whatever type of training uh, or instruction uh, that you may need to design or, or find um, in, in, order to, in order to fulfill the plan. Uh, so now that you've gone through all this work, uh, what makes a, a program launch successful? How do you successfully launch this new program or this program uh, to the people at the firm? So it's really important to communicate um, <clears throat> what you're doing and why. Um, I think it's it's a critical piece to making this successful. Um, it, it's it's a very helpful model, like I said, to um, to avoid random acts of training and for the PD professional to understand what the right programs are for for the people within the firm. But it's also really important for the attorneys and particularly new associates coming in to see how this fits within their career and their future at the firm. And for everybody to have the buy-in that's frankly necessary for this to in fact be a, um, a successful roadmap for someone's career. So, um, so what you do is certainly once you've, you've built out your system, you wanna communicate what this is and how it relates. Um, and, and that is, I think, the, the first step. But then uh, there needs to be a continual um, use of, of the, um, the structure. So again, it's gonna be integrated within your performance evaluation system. Uh, it should also be included in whatever behavioral interviewing that you might be doing from a recruitment standpoint. But then also in terms of the training itself, whenever you're promoting your training programming, you can and should associate it with what is that professional development focus or what is that core value skill set that we're trying to, um, to support through this training initiative. 
and at what level. So it's really helping also the learner know, is this worthwhile? Is this worth my time and why? And, and getting them uh, kind of that full picture of seeing how it fits to, to their entire career. And then hopefully that will motivate them and um, encourage them to in fact participate. So that's the, the constant battle. You know, you want everybody to be engaged in all that you're offering. Um, and hopefully by seeing where this fits into their entire career trajectory, it'll get them there. Good, so certainly getting people to show up and motivated to attend and to complete the programs is, a, is one measure of success. Uh, once they have taken programs though, do you have methods to, to get feedback and to, uh, and to incorporate that feedback into, into future programs as well? Yes, so we actually um, always have a survey after every program. Um, it may be right after an individual class that we offer, or if there's a series, or if there's a workshop, we're always surveying that, um, that program in particular, and, and we target our questions to really get at whether or not this was relevant, how will it be applied to their work, and whether or not they see it uh, fitting within their overall um, career trajectory. But the other way in which we measure it is to actually review the performance review data and, um, and understand whether or not the training that we're delivering has in fact impacted behavior and changed um, and improved the, the people that are participating. And we kind of look at performance review data up front to identify those areas that people need more training on. But then we also, at the end of the, the year and, and uh, on a regular basis, we're evaluating whether or not those folks who participated in the programming have in fact improved based on the training that they've received. So that's really meaningful feedback uh, to everybody involved uh, that you can tie uh, back to the performance review system, some of the, the training that's occurred and, and evaluate its efficacy and, uh, and, and see if people have actually benefited from it. That's right. So that's great. I mean, that, that really does sort of uh, bring it all together. Uh, any advice that you'd like to give to your PD uh, colleagues uh, as they think about this type of thing or if, they try to, if they're trying to create a more robust structure around their training programs? So, First of all, I just, I'm a big believer in this approach. I think it can be challenging sometimes um, if a firm is not um, kind of aware of this approach or uh, understanding the value of it because it does require an investment upfront. Um, but I feel as if, if you take the time and you're willing to build it the right way, everything else can really follow uh, in, a, in a very coherent, consistent way that helps everybody. It helps the professional development professional, right? We, we can identify the right kinds of training that people need and support them in their career. We can also um, benefit you know, the, the associate, the attorney who is bombarded with so many different opportunities for information and education and all of these different things, but also has to manage their billable time and all the other uh, expectations that are on them. So this is an incredible way to really help identify the right programming for them at the right time and, um, and benefit them throughout their career. But it's also a great asset for the firm. It ties in the strategy that they have as a firm in terms of what skills they need to be fully equipped 
attorneys and to deliver the kind of client service excellence that we're expected to, to deliver. Um, and, it, and it all works together so that you can not just build people up through their training, but you can continue to evaluate it and, um, and understand kind of the performance measures that are happening so it all works together. That's great. Uh, just uh, up to, say, AMLA 200 firms, without naming names, uh, how many, what percentage of it do you think really do have a robust, structured training program? And how many really provide sort of a, a library of programs that people can jump into on a more as-needed as basis? Certainly, they have new associate training and, and certain types of pieces, but in terms of a really robust, structured, competency-based uh, learning trajectory model, what percent do you think is out there? That's a really good question. Um, I have been around long enough that I would have thought there would be more competency-based programs than there are. Um, I do think it, because of the time it takes and the investment it takes up front, um, there probably are fewer firms out there doing that than they should. Um, but I will say it, it really can make such a difference in terms of the way in which you're not just approaching your training and development programming, but developing and managing your talent as a, a complete structure and system for professional development purposes that I would hope that more and more move to this model and in fact really use it to um, to help the attorneys see their whole, their to see their entire career um, in a way that isn't also just limited to legal training. Because the other benefit of this structure is that it identifies all the skills that you need to be a successful attorney. And it isn't just legal. In addition to your client service and your business development skills, it's seeing the, the whole lawyer and, um, and then really working from that structure to enable people to tap into the right kinds of resources to help, help get them there. That's terrific. I mean, the firms make such a tremendous investment in recruitment uh, and bringing people into the firm that obviously it makes sense for them to invest in their future success uh, as they move forward. Even if they, uh, a smaller percentage of people nowadays actually join the partnership, uh, still it sets up a basis for a relationship that can go on into the future as well. Well, and so much of what we do in PD is in fact for retention. It's to help retain and advance our attorneys. How better than to really help align those steps that need to be taken to achieve that result with the training and development that you have for them or are building for them and can, can learn what those skills are that they need so that, again, we're all working together for that same goal so that the firms aren't losing that investment that they're making early on uh, in, in these really valuable people who are, are learning and they, they still have a ways to go and, and they need to learn what it means to work in a law firm, which is different than other you know, legal environments. So, um, so that's really where we're adding tremendous value as a professional development team. But I think in particular, because we can tie it all into this competency-based, level-based system, it can work together for meeting all of those goals. Well, that's terrific. Well, uh, thank you. Um, I'd like to thank my guest, Tammy Garner of Jackson Lewis for sharing her insights. We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you.